Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJ Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Wishing you very well uh, on this Wednesday night. We know what is going on with uh, with COVID-19 on a daily basis. We continue to watch the news. I know I'm watching it and reading about it. And hopefully we can get on the other side of this curve and we can be able to be out. And uh, at this point in time, we're alone together. But it doesn't mean that we're not going to do what we always do best and talk uh, Chicago sports and everything else in between. So thanks so much for tuning in, and I wish the best for you and your family during this really, really difficult time. As a matter of fact, we have a, something special coming up for Tales from the Hood regarding COVID-19. We're going to uh, discuss coming up at 8.30, so hope that you're around at 8.30 for that right here on ESPN 1000. The Bulls will be making moves, reportedly, to get their front office in a position where they can finally succeed and be a team that we can watch and be proud of. It's one thing to be a fan of the Chicago Bulls and watch this team over the years, the ebb and flow of the seasons that they've had, but ultimately you just want to have consistency. Always remember these two things as the Bears, as the Bulls make their moves. Number one, remember that Gar and Pax will hire their successor. Whoever it's going to be, if there's going to be a general manager or a a basketball president, whatever it is, Garn Pax are going to be in the position to hire their successor. And the number two thing is that the next GM or president of basketball operations for this Bulls team could be in the job for the next 20 or more years. Keep in mind, Jerry Krause started in 1985. John Paxson's in the job right now as a general manager slash president of basketball operations. And Gar Foreman has been a GM in name. But the point is, is that the two point people for the Bulls organization, it's only been two of them since 1985. And so over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, we've been taking a look at names that we've heard about uh, that are in line to be president of basketball operations or GM for this team. And so I looked at the list earlier today. One of them is uh, Brian Colangelo. Now, if you know Brian Colangelo, Brian Colangelo, last time we saw him, he was with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, here's what we know about Colangelo. He was a guy that was very instrumental in picking up Markel Fultz, the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. Colangelo orchestrated the deal with the rival Celtics. But here's the thing that was weird about Colangelo. Colangelo's departure had nothing to do with the way he assembled the roster of the Sixers. Uh, On May 29th of 2018, an article in The Ringer linked Colangelo to several burner Twitter accounts that revealed confidential team information and posted disparaging remarks about people in the organization, including players. After an investigation, Colangelo resigned on June 7th, 2018. Now, that's someone that the Bulls talked to for one of the front office jobs for the team. So someone that spends that kind of time having a burner account, according to the ringer of going back and forth on players and talking about people in the organization, that person has the time, not only to general manage the Sixers, but also to troll the Sixers organization as well. But yet the bulls talk to that guy for the job. Okay, let's move on. The bulls reportedly also talked to Danny Ferry, 
You know, Danny Ferry's an NBA champion from 2003. The guy was a, a really solid player in his time with the Cavaliers and the San Antonio Spurs. Always a heady player, played overseas, but he's been in management. So he worked in the front office for the Spurs between 2003 and 2005. He's with the Cavs for a long time. But there was something with the Atlanta Hawks when he worked with the Atlanta Hawks. Do you remember the story? On June 25th of 2012, Danny Ferry accepted a position as president of basketball operations and general manager for the Atlanta Hawks. In June of 2014, Ferry read aloud verbatim an offensive and racist comment written in a scouting report during a conference call about Luol Deng. Hawks co-owner Michael Gerson Jr. called for him to resign or to be dismissed. So on September 9th of that year, Hawks CEO Steve Coonan announced that the team had decided not to dismiss Ferry and that they were just going to discipline him. A few days later, Ferry was asked to take a leave of absence, and after an independent investigation, he ultimately was let go of the Atlanta Hawks. Read aloud a offensive and racist comment in a scouting report on a conference call where everybody can hear it about Luol Deng when he's with the Miami Heat. The Bulls talked to Danny Ferry about their front office job. How about Wes Wilcox? Do you know that name, Wes Wilcox? Wes Wilcox uh, had to part ways with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. He's working on NBA radio right now on Sirius XM, and he does some stuff from NBA TV. But the reason why Wes Wilcox was let go uh, is because of leadership issues. So here's the story. The Atlanta Hawks were expected to remove Wes Wilcox from his role as general manager, uh, according to ESPN. It is not clear whether Wilcox will have another role with the team or not. They weren't short the time back in 2017. But the Hawks issued a statement Wednesday afternoon that read that the Hawks leadership is undergoing a period of evaluation and looking at how basketball operations works best. Uh, It goes on to talk about how Wilcox was disciplined by the team this season after making a racially charged joke at a season ticket holders event for which he apologized. A Hawks internal investigation from December 27th to January 9th included interviews with attendees that concluded that Wilcox's mention of race during the event merited his reprimand by the franchise. Wilcox, disciplined by the team earlier that year after making a racially charged joke at a season tickets holders event. Of course, he apologized and no longer with the team. Wes Wilcox reportedly interviewed for the job for the Chicago Bulls. Then there's Justin Zanuck. Justin Zanuck is currently the general manager for the Utah Jazz. He has Chicago ties, and he just got the job as GM this past season. He is now interviewing for the Bulls job. Wait a minute. He just got the job with the Utah Jazz. He was turned down for other positions, and he already wants to jump and go to the Bulls job? How about a real candidate? How about a guy named Art Karnasovas? He is with the Denver Nuggets. Karnasovas is with the Nuggets. He's been there since 2013. I asked around for all these candidates. I called earlier today about Brian Colangelo with the burner account and Danny Ferry with the racially charged 
unfortunate thoughts he had for Luol Deng and Wes Wilcox with his racial issues uh, in front of, uh, of an assembled crowd of season ticket holders. And also Justin Zanuck, who just got the job of the Jazz and trying to get to the Bulls. So I asked you about Karnasovas. And here's what uh, a couple of texts that I got about Karnasovas. Strong resume, worked in the league office for a number of years before joining Denver, responsible for the Jokic, Nurkic, and Murray draft picks, strong international background, well-connected throughout the NBA, mild-mannered, I would pick him. That is from a front office executive from a conversation I had uh, earlier today. So Karnasovas, who interviewed apparently twice now with the Bulls, that's what there was said about him as someone that could possibly be in position with the Chicago Bulls. But I just want to take a step back just for a moment. And I just want to be able to just talk about Brian Colangelo, who had the world by the tail in with the Sixers. Trust the process, all that stuff that's going on. The Sixers were getting better under Colangelo. And instead of just generally managing the team or just being a leader for the Sixers, he decided he wanted to break bad on the organization for the Sixers and have a burner account and talk ish about the players and talk ish about the people in the organization instead of just focusing on his situation as a general manager, as a leader of men with the 76ers. Danny Ferry. Danny Ferry with his, his racist comments that he was reading aloud because he thought it was funny about Luol Deng was interviewed by the Bulls. Wes Wilcox, a former Hawks GM who's been around the league a couple of times here or there, doing what he did. It was ultimately dismissed by the Hawks because of his issues with race. Justin Zanuck, who is the Jazz GM now and all of a sudden now interviewing for the Bulls job. Let me just tell you something about the other guys before I get to Zanuck, as we talk about the Bulls with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. When it comes to Colangelo and Ferry and Wes Wilcox, for the Bulls to talk to those guys, it, I'll move Wilcox out. To talk to Colangelo and Ferry is just amazing to me that the Bulls would decide on those two as possible replacements for Gar and Pax. And again, if you don't, I just gave you background of these particular individuals that actually interviewed for the job, according to Casey Johnson, Joe Cowley, those covering the Chicago Bulls. But to, to the idea that the Bulls would even talk to Colangelo after that nonsense, I don't care if Colangelo's from Chicago or not. I don't care about his connections with Jerry Colangelo and the Reinsdorf family. I couldn't care less about that. The point is, is that Brian Colangelo was interviewed after all that that he dealt with with the Sixers. Danny Ferry, toxic, toxic, but yet the Bulls talked to him. Wes Wilcox, yeah, will he get another opportunity to be a GM, maybe a front office person? Probably. Who knows? Well, the point is, is that those names are not necessarily names that tells me these guys should be in the mix for 20-plus years because, as I told you, the two points about the Bulls' job is to remember the next GM or president of basketball operations could be in the job for 20-plus years. And also remember that Gar and Pax have to be the one to hire him. And, and going back to that, that other point, Gar and Pax, along with Michael Reinsdorf, have to do the hiring for the Bulls, right? And that's the list they came up with. Brian Colangelo... And Danny Ferry? 
those two, and along with Wes Wilcox. Now, you can put it under the guise of they're good basketball men, and those guys have been around. But really, do you think that's best for the organization for real? Do you really think that's best for the organization? Justin Zanuck, here's what's interesting about Zanuck, is that if you're going to leave the Jazz, a good organization, to get to the Bulls after one season, how do I know you'll leave and climb to some other place in three or four years? So if you leave the Jazz, how do I know that you won't leave me? He could say it's his dream job, but if he goes around the Bulls a a time or two, maybe he's going to look someplace else. So how do I know he's going to be the long-term answer? If you're going to leave the Jazz, why would you leave? Why would you come work for me after one year in the job? Jazz are a good organization, better than the Bulls, that's for sure. And then the guy I mentioned, Karnasovis, that sounds like a good name. It sounds like someone that... Um, very well could be a general manager, not for the Bulls someplace down the line because of his information that he has from an international scouting standpoint and just well-liked around the league as someone that's going to be the next step guy as a GM. I want to point out something else, too, is that out of all these names I mentioned, did you notice that none of those names were people of color you notice that there was no Asian American, no African American, uh, no Latin American person that was at least interviewed in the mix. We can talk about the best people available. It doesn't matter who, what they are. It doesn't matter the color they are, hood. It doesn't matter. You just want to get the best people. You know what also is the best people? Malik Rose is one of the best people that should be a, a GM someplace as a guy that's an assistant with the, with the Pistons and has been with the Philadelphia 76 organization and a former player and was around the Spurs organization. Like they know something about basketball. Trajan Langdon is a guy that has been around uh, the NBA working with the Nets, working with Sean Marks at the time with the Nets. Trajan Langdon is a next level guy that will be a GM in the league. Chauncey Billups has been rumored to be the president of the, the, tro- the um, Minnesota Tim Wolves at one point uh, has been vying for several jobs. He's been on TV more so than been in the front office. But the point is, is that that is a name. Mark Eversley with the Sixers, also a name that's uh, African Canadian guy that has been around a number of front offices that is qualified for the job. Troy Weaver from the Thunder, also someone very qualified for the job. But yet Danny Ferry and Brian Colangelo get interviews. See, it is it does come down to the best person, right? But the best person could be black. The best person could be Asian. The best person could be Latino. The best person could be someone that's not a troll like Brian Colangelo or not uh, using racial terms like Danny Ferry or guys like Wes Wilcox. It could be someone else. Point is that, yeah, they got to get the best guy, the best person that's, that's available for the position, man or woman. But the point is, is that that those first couple of names feel and smell like the good old boys network of actually giving them an interview, knowing that they're sketchy. Those other names I mentioned, the Roses, the Langdons, the Billups, the Eversleys, the, the Weavers, they're just looking for an opportunity just to get interviewed. If not hired, just to get interviewed. And the Bulls decided they didn't want to do that. This, not yet. And we've been hearing names for two weeks. Haven't heard any names of color as of late or any names outside of um, the guy from the Denver Nuggets, Karnasovis, that really stands out as someone that could pay dividends for the Bulls. 
Coming up next, some thoughts from Joe Cowley as he has a new column out again about the Bulls and their coaching search. We'll get to that. Also, an excellent column from NBC Sports about where the Bulls need to be looking, not for this upcoming season, uh, but for 2021. Whoever's going to be in the position next, that person has to look at free agency and seriously in 2021. We'll get to that coming up next on Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. As always, 8 o'clock, we will give you something NFL draft, something Bears. We have Mike Sando coming on. Mike Sando from the Athletic.com does a great job breaking down the NFL. Uh, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, he wrote a piece about Mitch, Mitch Trubisky that we got to get to uh, 8 o'clock with Mike. So look forward to that. Glad that you're with me here as we talk to you about the Chicago Bulls and their search to try to have something different than Garn Pax in the front office. Uh, Joe Cowley from the Sun-Times wrote, as of late, Denver's uh, Art Karnasovas um, makes good impression in interview for Bulls' uh, job. And just going to the, the article, and if you haven't heard this, I just want to just point this out again. The Sun-Times has reported all along that this restructure has never been about one hire or one direction. There are organizational models that Reinsdorf has been doing his homework on and has been impressed with. But like many franchises around the league, front office structures are fluid. As for the early leader out of the gate, Kardasovic is uh, scheduled to meet electronically with Reinsdorf again this week. And if all goes well, uh, the first block of this restructure could be in place by next week. That's a positive for sure. The source also said Zanuck was also impressive with a strong background in player relationships and NBA cap rules. Let me just point something out and, and you know this, like I know it, but I just, it just needs to be said. It is important that for the next GM president of basketball operations, whatever this new restructure is that these people in place have to be able to lure free agents and lure um, and have a good relationship with not only free agents, but also players in general and agents of players. It's, it's so important to have that relationship because the constant drumbeat of disconnection when it comes to the Bulls is the, a lot of free agents don't want to come here. And we're not in some, not in space someplace where we're so far away that you can't be able to have a family here or be able to kick it here. We have every option that's available. You know that from a club standpoint, from a dining standpoint, architecture, everything. We got everything. The only thing that we don't have is a strong basketball front office for free agents to say, yeah, I can be able to hang my hat here on a regular basis. I can see it myself here being being able to help this team win a championship. That's the thing. It's one thing to have B-list free agents or C-list free agents to try to build, but it, it, it's really about how you can build your organization um, and, and be able to be a player in free agency. It, it's one thing for a free agent to say, no, it's too cold, it's the weather, I don't want to deal with this. But it's another thing to say, you know, I'm going to play here anyway because I like the organization, I like the fans. I mean, we are so loyal here. 
with the Bulls, right? We're so loyal in which we're always top five in attendance. So we are filling up the United Center, despite the no-shows, the tickets are sold. So you can't say that we're not into it. It's not just some moribund franchise that fans don't care. It's an organization that needs a new coat of paint. And it looks like it's going to be happening sometime in the very near future. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Love to get your thoughts on the Bulls making moves. There's some names that are out there, um, but as I mentioned, there are other names that should have been at least in a position to interview and not some of these guys that a lot of organizations won't touch. Colangelo's one of them. Ferry's another. Fabian and Calumet City with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hey, Fabe. Hey, man. How are you doing? What's cracking? Well, let me tell you who's, who's going to be the next hire for the front office. And it's going to be Chauncey Billups. And, and with them is going to come along Mark Jackson as a coach. What do you think about that? Is that what you wish or is that what you know? <sighs> that's what I know is not going to happen. But that's what I wish. <laughs> that's what Mark Jackson, if nothing else, should be up there for the Knicks job. That seems like a, a match, right? Like Mark should have an opportunity to coach again. And Chauncey Billups has been in the running for several jobs. Billups should be a general manager someplace. If if a, if a GM or if an ownership feels like he's qualified, why not, right? No, you're exactly right. But I also think now that you, you mentioned the Knicks, the Bulls need to be good. The Knicks needs to be good. The East needs to get better. I mean, we need to go old school here. We can't just have Toronto leading the way. They're, they're, I mean, it's Toronto. We need the East to rise up again. We need the Bulls. We need the Knicks. We need the hard hitters from before. Well, Fabian, let, let me address that, and I appreciate your phone call. It is, it, that's a good a point is made because that was David Stern's wish. He wanted to have balance, if possible, on both coasts because that really is able to get everyone involved. If there's, if you think the league is down, the league is down because of what Fabian said. Knicks are down, Bulls are down, Detroit's down. That doesn't help the league. Out west, you have your markets that are in a position to succeed. The Dallas's and Houston's, those are big markets. Uh, the Bay Area is taken care of with the Golden State Warriors. Went through injuries this year, they'll be fine this upcoming um, season whenever it returns. Uh, when, once they're healthy, Clay, Steph, and those guys are back, they'll be fine. But it is. But Fabian's point is well taken. For the league to be able to flourish, where there are there's television ratings and interest, you want to have balance. It's one thing for all these stars going out west and see them on the Western Conference, but in the Eastern Conference, it is important for the Knicks and for the Bulls and for the for Detroit for that market in particular, for them to be able to be contenders. Toronto has done well. They were representing the whole country. They won the championship. They were going to be a player again if the season was going to go on because even without Kawhi, they were going to be fine. So it's just, um, I think I think um, the, the NBA knows that they really would love to have New York and Chicago be more of a player to help the league. So it's a good point. Fabian, I'm glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. Leaves line open 312-332-ESPN. Greg is in Crown Point, Indiana with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hey, Greg. Hey, how you doing there, Jay Hood? Hey, Greg. Thanks for checking in. Hey, this is two weeks in a row. One more phone call. It's almost a relationship. <laughs> well, I, I like our relationship. <laughs> I'm totally fine <laughs> with that. It, it, it's hey, good to be know, able to talk to you. I mean, as far as Colangelo goes, I don't even think he should ever work in the NBA game <clears> for what he did. But, I mean, I, want, I wanted to touch on the whole 
when you mentioned how there was no um, applicant or no potentials with a race, you know, like I was telling the guy that answered the phone, I, I've always been the belief that you always get the best person, period. You know, um, and my analogy is if I have to have brain surgery, I want a good neurologist. I don't want a neurologist that we had to bring into the hospital because we're missing a black doctor or, a, you know, an Asian doctor. I want the best. And, I mean, I think Chauncey Billups would be an awesome, awesome option. You know, but Reinsdorf is just, I don't know, it's almost like he's still afraid to hurt Paxson's feelings or something. Well, you know, my, my whole thing with that, Greg, is I had, it had to be mentioned, and here's why, is because I'll, I'll go back to the Rooney Rule in the NFL. It's just that the Rooney Rule is not to make sure that, that black people get hired or women get hired. It's just to get in the door. So right. that way someone of color can be like, well, this is my resume. What do you think? Then it's up to the employer ultimately, right? Yeah. It, it, you can't fault an employer if the employer feels comfortable with someone else. But you can't shut the door on uh, 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 people of color that are trying to get a job just like anybody else. So, but the one thing you're not going to hear me here say is say Malik Rose or Trajan Langdon or Chauncey Billups. Those should be the people the Bulls should talk to exclusively because that's not fair for everybody. Everybody should have an equal chance at the door. And the idea that the Bulls are talking to guys like Danny Ferry and Brian Colangelo, even over Malik Rose or Trajan Langdon, guys that have been toiling in the G League, toiling in the, in the offices, and not even get a chance to talk, that's the whole thing. Like if, it, like, a per, I, perfect example is you and me, right? You're the employer. Yeah. I'm trying to get your job with you. Okay, so what I'm doing, Greg, is I just need to show you how impressive I am. Ultimately, you probably got your guy in place, but at least you know, hey, I'm coming to you because I want to work. I want to work with you, and I got my resume, and I'm dressed well, and I'm going to tell you what I think about your company, and we exchange ideas. Then at least you have an idea of where I'm coming from, but not to the point where you shut the door and never let me in. That's not right. I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, and unfortunately, the Rooney Rule doesn't even. It's like it doesn't even exist in the NFL. It's almost like obligatory. Okay, we did it. Now let's get the hiring. I think it's a joke. I mean, they need to have more guys instead of like Mike Tomlin, and that's it. You know, it's very few. And I appreciate your phone call. It's just very few. And and again, it is about to get the opportunity. The Rooney Rule in place to be able to just so I can sit in front of you and just if you think I'm good enough based on my resume, then you should hire me. Um, but it is about the best person that's available. And those guys are not the best available. Not not for the Bulls for 20 years. Brian Colangelo and Danny Ferry, Wes Wilcox, you can do better than that. These other guys I mentioned, Karnasovis, Zanuck, those are young guys. So I can understand why they'd be available. Uh, there's other names that are, I'm sure that's been out there that... The, that uh, let me think. There was the, the Indiana Indiana Pacers assistant um, turned down the job. He was a guy that was heavily thought of. Um, and, of course, there's the pie-in-the-sky thoughts of, like, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the, and the Toronto Raptors with Masai Ujiri. Um, those things weren't going to happen. Those are good organizations. They're not leaving. Uh, but for these young guys, sure, great opportunity. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Still to come, a great piece from NBC Sports regarding what the Bulls need to do for the future. Not about now, but the future. Whoever's going to get that job, you got to think about um, – the free agency for the future. We'll get into that piece and also take a look at the Bears as you're listening to Under the Hood. 
This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Great piece on NBC Sports Chicago regarding the Chicago Bulls. Um, of course, the you take a look at the salary allocations, and everything is going to be flexible with the rosters. The you know while the salary cap ramifications of the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic are not known, these books beyond the twenty 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 one season are about as clean as one could help could hope for. So I'm looking at the Bulls and their uh, total cap allocations one hundred six million. Uh, in 2021-22, it'll be 65.2 million. In 22-23, is 9.3 million, and then zero in 2023-24. And again, that's where we are right now. That 2021-22 column is one many will be focused on because that's the summer of Giannis. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, as I've said before, is not part of the culture of um, of moving from place to place. Remember, he's from Greece. He goes to Milwaukee, and he's not... Um, I don't think he's one of these guys that's going to be moving from place to place champ- uh, chasing a championship. At least, I don't believe so. Many of them that we see in the NBA do. I'm not sure if he's going to be that guy. Laurie Markkinen's impending extension looms uh, that $65 million figure, but that number also includes fully guaranteeing the third years on Thad Young's contract and Thomas Sadoransky's contracts, picking up Ryan Archie Diakono's third year, uh, inking Chandler Hutchinson's two-year team option. Uh, those are the factors, because you think about it, right? Based on what you saw from the Bulls, Sadoransky, Thad Young, Archie Diakono, when the Bulls are good, will they be around? Will they be on this team? Chandler Hutchinson's two-year team option and a couple of other extenuating factors are also part of this as well. Even if the cap stayed static at roughly $109 million through then, that's a hefty amount of room, and they'll be flexible. That is a selling point for the Bulls, whoever takes the job, is that in 21-22, you will have roster flexibility, Roster flexibility, which is something that is important for this franchise, meaning that you don't slide in some C-level veteran. Screw that. You're not doing that. What you're doing is is that you're going to put in some quality players because it'll be a fresh coat of paint on this organization. Um, Also in this column, they talked about, and speaking of youth, whether uh, your gripes with Paxson Gar – whatever you think of their first-round draft picks, they don't throw away their first-round picks. The Bulls own all their first-round selections for the foreseeable future, so they won't be working entirely from behind in that respect, a la the rebuilding of the Brooklyn Nets in the mid-2010s. They're due for another top-ten selection this season, albeit in what may many consider kind of an underwhelming draft. So it is true that the first-round picks will be in place. It all depends on who you're drafting, of course. It Assets matter. But you know what also matters? Being able to grow the talent that's already on your roster. So that's, well, again, we'll see who the Bulls hire, but as I, I thought that was a terrific column. We go to the Bulls section of NBC Chicago. It only breaks down, really, from a financial standpoint, that the Bulls have flexibility and room to be able to get certain players in here that can make a difference for the team. Not 
the Thad Youngs, not just Thomas Sadoransky, not just those players, but players that can really be able to turn heads for Bulls fans. And hopefully that will be something we see very soon. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I was thinking earlier about the, the Bears, and of course we're about 15 days away from the NFL draft. I don't know about you, I am interested in the draft, but not necessarily in from the Bears' standpoint, because the Bears continue to try to have masking tape and glue to try to close holes on this roster. I was looking at the depth chart earlier. Let me go to this again. I was looking at the depth chart, the depth chart earlier, and I just want to just point out to you how many tight ends there are on the depth chart for the Bears. Like they know that that's an issue. So I'm looking at the depth chart: Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Demetrius Harris, Jesper Horstead, Dax Raymond, Jimmy Graham, Ben Broniker, J.P. Holtz, Eric Saubert, as well as Darian Clark. There are eight guys. Uh, the tight end spot. That's the that's the most they have on the roster. Eight guys currently on the depth chart. Yeah, they want to get that right, but yet they signed Jimmy Graham to a two-year deal for a guy that's definitely toward the end of his career. It all comes down to commitment to winning, right? Commitment to winning. Where is that commitment to winning when you're looking to be able to get better at that tight end spot, which is a big zero. Not a U tight end, but a zero tight end because you got nothing out of that spot, right? So then they have, now they have eight in camp. <laughs> So I just thought, okay, so you got eight guys. So someone out of that eight is going to be able to be as good or better than Jimmy Graham, right? At least that's the hope. But I was thinking earlier about Trubisky and Foles. And there's some projections out there we'll get to a little bit later on regarding where we look at Trubisky and Foles versus not the NFC North. That's too myopic. How we look at Trubisky and Foles versus the NFC and the whole thing with Nick Foles is I know what that looks like in Philly. I know what that looks like in Jacksonville. I know what that looks like in spots that Foles has played in coming from behind as a backup to be able to lead a team to victory. But here's what we don't know. What does that look like in blue and orange? I know the skill set is good, but I think there's limitations on that skill set for Nick Foles with this team unless the offense gets better. Better than just Robinson, just better than just uh, Montgomery running the football, better than Jimmy Graham as a tight end. The offensive line, other weapons for Trubisky to go to, for Foles to go to, those are the things you think about. But, you know, I was looking at the NFC and Trubisky and Foles, and you and I can have a barroom argument when the bars are open again. We can have the barroom argument about who's the best quarterback in the NFC. Is it Tom Brady at an advanced age or is it Aaron Rodgers? Because no matter what Brady's done with the New England Patriots, he is the GOAT, there's no doubt, but uh, he's not going to be the GOAT forever currently playing. He's the GOAT right now for sure, and when he retires, he will be, but not necessarily the best player or the best quarterback in the NFL once he's gone. So he's with Tampa right now, and we can make the argument of if you think Rodgers is better or Brady's better at this point in their careers, but they're one and two, they're interchangeable, Rodgers and Brady at the top of the list. There's Drew Brees with New Orleans, there's Russell Wilson there's Matt Ryan from Atlanta. I'll stop right there. Matt Ryan has had tremendous numbers. And of course, we remember Atlanta on the precipice of winning the Super Bowl. And of course, they gave it up and they fell short. But the point is, is that you think about Mitch Trubisky, everything you saw from Trubisky, 
and everything that you've ever seen from Nick Foles. And you compare that to Green Bay with Rodgers and Brady with New England and Drew Brees with New Orleans and Russell Wilson with Seattle and Matt Ryan with Atlanta. And then we move on. Think about Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember watching the Super Bowl? How good was Garoppolo, East, um, the Eastern Illinois product? How good was he in that Super Bowl? How good was he all season leading up to that Super Bowl, right? Think about Garoppolo, then think about Trubisky or Foles. Carson Wentz from Philly. Think about Wentz, then think about Trubisky and Foles. When you think about Kirk Cousins, quarterback for the Minnesota uh, Vikings, if you don't believe in Cousins, that's good. That's, fu- that's fine, but then think about Mitch Trubisky. Then think about Nick Foles. Dak Prescott, also in this conference. Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Maybe you think it's all Zeke Elliott. Maybe you think it's just all Amari Cooper. And you think it's the offensive line. You think it's just, you know, it's just a tight end. It's, it's Witten last year. You just think it's everybody else except uh, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott against Trubisky and Foles. Think about Jared Goff. Jared Goff getting to the Super Bowl once. And they fell apart, and maybe they're going to continue to fall apart in Los Angeles. But the point is that, think about Jared Goff and Trubisky and Foles. By the way, you go back to that game, put a pin in that game, the Bears against the Los Angeles Rams. That's a game the Bears should have won. Trubisky should have won that game. The Bears should have won that game. And they fell short against Goff. Uh, And then you think about Trubisky. So all those quarterbacks, Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Wilson, Ryan, Garoppolo, Wentz, Cousins, Prescott, Goff. I didn't even mention Chetty Bridgewater yet with Carolina. I didn't mention Matt Stafford from the Lions. I didn't mention uh, young Daniel Jones with the Giants. Or I didn't mention uh, Murray with the Arizona Cardinals or Dwayne Haskins from Washington. So you think about just the quarterbacks. And you think about Nick Foles, whether he has a Superman cape or not, or Trubisky. And they got all those quarterbacks and all those teams in the NFC. Now, keep in mind, Bears don't have to take on everybody in the NFC, but they got to take on the best of the best at some point, right? They got to be able to take on the division and others. Now, you compare Trubisky and compare Foles to all those other quarterbacks. It's daunting. That list I gave you is daunting. And you can make the case that you feel like Trubisky's in an upswing and that Kirk Cousins is not, or you don't believe in Jared Goff. That's cool. But what about those other eight? What about those other guys? What about that, those guys with the arm, the, the high-octane offense? What about those guys? And what about Teddy Bridgewater? He came in and beat the Bears' ass when he's with the New Orleans Saints. What about that? That's what we're talking about. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Coming up, Tom Brady with a lot to say that we've never heard on the record before. That's next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere. 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 Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Booms, booms, booms. Booms, 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 booms. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And the brand new ESPN Chicago app will talk Bears and NFL quarterbacks at the 8 o'clock hour with Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com. We'll talk to Mike at 8 o'clock and get his thoughts about the column he wrote from TheAthletic.com regarding uh, Mitch Trubisky and where he places Mitch or Foles amongst other quarterbacks in the NFL. That's going to be a great conversation with Mike coming up at 8 o'clock. So I see that Tom Brady was on the Howard Stern show. 
And so here's why I find that compelling. Not because I'm just like this huge Howard Stern fan. I respect him because he's in the business like I'm in the business. He's the king of all media. He's made a great name for himself. But the reason why that I find this interesting is because Howard Stern always finds a way to ask the right questions and has the right follow-ups. And when he has an athlete like Tom Brady, and he has to get a chance to talk to him in an interview setting, um, he can get more out of Brady than someone at ESPN, someone on your favorite sports radio station, someone, one of your favorite sports talk show hosts, because it's not sports. It's Howard just knowing about Brady and his relationships and knowing about him with the Patriots. So this is why it can be really relaxing for the person being interviewed, or it can be really tense. And there was a little of both in this interview I heard all, uh, earlier today. So I'll give you a, a little sample. So, Tom Brady was talking about his relationship with his now former coach, Bill Belichick. I know genuinely how he feels about me. Now, I'm not going to respond to every rumor or assumption that's made other than what his responsibility as coach is to try to get the best player for the team, not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. So what I could control was trying to be the best I could be in both of those situations also. I got into uncharted territory so I got to a point where I was old. I was an older athlete, and he started to plan for the future. So, and that is something that he wanted to do, and there's nothing wrong with that as an older athlete. If you're Bill Belichick and you realize, well, if I keep Tom too long, then that's going to erode the team, it's going to put in the wrong direction, then I totally understand why Bill would do that. He'd rather part with the assets, as he'd say, part with the assets, part with the player, even as great as Tom Brady is, than to have him too long and not in position to win anymore. So it's interesting that Tom talked about that because I've never heard him put it that way before. Now he talks about the legacy and leaving the Patriots. I probably knew before the start of last season that it was my last year. And I and tried you, to, you know, I, I, well, I knew that, you know, it was just our time was, you know, it's, you know, our time was, was coming to an end. I never cared about legacy. I mean, I, did, I could give a about that's never, I never once when I was in high school said, man, I can't wait for my, what my football legacy looks like. I mean, that's a very, it's just not me. That's not my personality. So why would I choose a different place? It's because it was just time. I don't know what to say other than that. Like I, had done everything, I accomplished everything I could in two decades with an incredible organization, incredible group of people, and that will never change. And no one can ever take that away from me. No one can ever take those experience or Super Bowl championships away from us. I can't do his job and he can't do mine. Right. So the fact that you could say, would I be successful without him, the same level of success, I don't believe I would have been. But I feel the same in, in, in vice versa as well. The, the, to have him allowed me to be the best I could be. So I'm grateful for that. And I very much believe that he feels the same about me because we've expressed that to each other. But Tom, so isn't there some the resentment people, on your but, but Tom, isn't there some resentment people, on your part that he didn't make you a patriot for life? In other words. No, absolutely not. No, because this is a part for me in my life to experience something very different. And 
you know, there's things, there's, there's ways for me to grow and evolve in a different way that I haven't had the opportunity to do. Thoughts there from Tom Brady. Interesting. And the follow-up question uh, is makes sense because he talks about how there could be this feeling of resentment that you were not a patriot for life. I believe that Tom Brady would have stayed with the Patriots if they would have been able to give him more money. Anytime someone tells you that it's not about the money, it's a lie. It's always about the money. It's the bottom line. It's the thing that makes the world go round. Whether you feel like there is importance in your life with money or not, money makes the world go round. And so for Tom Brady, the legacy, he says he didn't care about his legacy. Well, I guess not. I guess when he first started, he didn't care about his legacy. But, I mean, 20 years with the same team is so rare in today's sports lexicon that I totally understand it. But here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Tom Brady would have Tom Brady would have stayed if he was able to get paid more and be taken care of for two years. The money that was doled out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took place because the Buccaneers want to put more butts in seats in Raymond James because now whether or not Brady wins or not, Brady on the field is an attraction for Tampa. He's an attraction. So I, I, I get it from that standpoint. I um I think that it came down to respect financially and then on top of that, the lack of respect from Belichick um that Brady was not receiving. There's a tough dad situation happening with Belichick and Brady where it was tough for Brady to even get the game ball because Belichick wanted to make sure everyone was on the same wavelength, on the same plane, that not one player was greater than the other as far as his eyes are concerned. The way that Belichick handles his locker room is very similar to the way that Greg Popovich handles his locker room, East Chicago Zone. Uh, Greg Popovich handles his locker room in San Antonio. When you watch the Spurs, especially during those championship years, Tim Duncan was yelled at just like Danny Fury was at the end of the bench. Tony Parker was yelled at just like Antonio Daniels was yelled at. It was the same thing with this Spurs team, the same thing we're seeing with the Patriots, in that Belichick was never openly giving love to Tom Brady, talking about how great he was. It was because Belichick does, says nothing in the media, says pretty much nothing. But now, toward the end, you start to hear Belichick say some great things about Brady and the relationship and the divorce took place. So I will will remain steady in my feeling that neither one of these two, Belichick or Brady, will win a championship. Belichick will have more success than Brady because that's just attrition. That's just Brady will be there for two more years. That might be his last two years in the league. There's no way he's going to be 47, 48, still getting it done as a quarterback, and Belichick can coach until he just passes away because he's still got that strong mind and he wants to do things his way. But it's, it's good that uh, Howard had Tom Brady on because it really breaks down a lot of different things about Brady's mindset with the Patriots, his legacy, relationship with Belichick. It's very interesting, very compelling stuff on SiriusXM. Coming up, we will talk about other quarterbacks, uh, like the ones in Chicago, Foles and Trubisky, and take a look at the quarterbacks that we're going to be watching in the upcoming season versus others around the league with Mike Sando. That's next in two minutes right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.